0: bit. Okay, he said, don't hold it down, just press it, Dad. (laughs) All right, there we are. Praise the Lord. I think I can, whoa, look at that, I can enlarge that print myself. That is good. Stephen and Amanda, how's your girl doing? So, so? You in Springfield? Tell me your first name again. McKenna? Everybody just agree with me right now. Just put a hand up that you're agreeing. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind every evil force of darkness that would try to destroy this young lady and her mind, her body, and her spirit, and her soul, Lord, and we release... We ask you to send the angels of heaven to encamp about her and to pour out your spirit upon her. Let her have a revelation of Jesus the Christ and let her life be drastically changed. Let her have a visitation of the Holy Spirit, O God. And we know you're faithful and that you will do according to our faith. And I believe. Everybody say, I believe. All right, we believe. God's going to touch her. Amen. I've got a piece about it. I don't know about you, but I do. All right, Pastor Ken, you going to help me read some scriptures? All right, well, we'll see. Proverbs 29, 18, I can say it, where there is no vision, the people perish in the old King James. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint in the new King James. And people don't have any boundary lines amen when they are not connected like they should be in other words you got a vision for something hey it doesn't matter what it is look we we believe if i was amanda and stephen i just would get that vision in my mind of mckenna lifting her hands praising the lord serving god saying i love jesus and he has saved my soul You get that vision in your mind. Whatever it is that you are believing for and trusting God for, do that. And you you see it. You got to see it in your heart and your mind. And it's not conjuring up something that's not supposed to be there, it's evidencing, you know, because, you know, we're from the Missouri state. It's a show me state. I'm like, Lord, show me. Show me, Lord. I go all the way to Jeremiah 33, 3 and and ask the Lord and He will show you great and mighty things that you did not know. And He will speak to you things that you didn't know. I mean, to tell you, you start doing that, your life will change. I mean, things will start popping like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, do I need these? Maybe, maybe not. Let's go. Uh, Matthew 16 15 through 19. Read that, Pastor Ken. He's a good reader, isn't he? He's got that voice of the the teacher. Uh,
1: Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Mm -hmm. but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven.
0: Amen. (laughs) That excites me. I was standing there at Caesarea Philippi looking up at that cliff and the guide explaining to us that that was where Jesus spoke those words right there. And he was looking at the face of the cliff there where they would bring idols and put in the little cutouts. They would stick their little idols in there. How many know an idol can't do anything? It's just a dummy. It's just a piece of wood or a graven image of some kind. And then he pointed to the mouth of the cave and he said, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not prevail against it. Because yeah. that is the place where they would offer up sacrifices to the god Moloch. And there's other names, too, along the way. But uh, that was the main one. And they would offer up sacrifices of humans, sometimes their own children. And you know what? And it may not be a fire sacrifice. But the world, and especially America, has violated God's principles by offering up their children. You know, But if we repent and we turn from our wicked ways, then he said he will hear us when we pray and he will heal our land. And I'm believing for that. I'm believing that God is going to touch people's lives that seem to be untouchable. That they, we didn't, I tell you what, he saved some people I never thought could ever be saved. It was a shock to me. You know, there was a, a man in New Orleans, and I've told that story, and uh, it's quite interesting. Jonas Robertson was his name, and, and he was the biggest drug dealer on the West Bank. You know, they get to the Mississippi River. So the Mississippi runs north and south, and then when it gets to New Orleans, it goes east and west. Well, they called the southern part the West Bank because it was across the river. And he would deal drugs there. He was so paranoid, he would wear a trench coat with a sawed-off shotgun in it because he was so afraid somebody was going to try to kill him. And Jonas, uh, somebody witnessed to him one day. And they brought him to church, and he was gloriously saved. And I mean, everybody knew him, all the pimps, all the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the drug dealers. He was big time. I mean, he was the big dog on West Bank of New Orleans. And so he was so gloriously saved, he'd get his party van, and he would go around, and he'd say, Get in, we're going to a party. And so all these people that he knew, they started getting in the van. Hey, we're going to a party. You know, Jonas, he has the best stuff. He has the best places to go. And so he filled it up with like 10 people. And he arrived at the parking lot of First Assembly of God Church, 8825 Airline Highway. And that was right down there where the prostitutes would hang out, you know, down the road there. And he, he brought them all in there. And they said, but this is a church. He said, yeah, but they're going to have a big party tonight. They said, a party in church? He, he said, it's the best Stuff you ever had in your war, in your life, and so they all go in with him. He gets there early enough. He gets them down on like the second row, and he's got like ten people down the pew, and they're all sitting there. And then they have service, and you know that church down there had like a a Dixieland band. You know, I mean Al Hurt. There was musicians, Randy, off the out of the Al Hurt band, the Pete Fountain band. I knew some of them, and. Uh, They'd play and get that thing going, man. It'd be going good, and uh, the people get excited, and they'd start praising the Lord. And those people, they they kind of looking around like, "What's going on? This is kind of like a party." And then Brother Gorman got up and preached the Word, and then he had an altar call, and he cried over everybody. You know, they'd come down the altar, he had just boohoo over them, and so th- they all got up and came down and got saved. And Jonas just—that was what he's known for. He got more people saved in such a short time. And then he went away to Bible college and he came back and became a pastor on the West Bank where his old stomping grounds were. You know, God can do anything. And he can take away the stench of the fire, of the altars, of the idols. And he can cause hell to not take some people. We can do what James or Jude said actually reach in to the fire and pull out some that are still able to be saved. Amen? So that's what we need to do. That's what we're praying for. We don't give up on nobody. Yeah, I'll be praying for McKenna now that I know her name even more. I'll be proclaiming it. This young woman's going to be a prophetic voice in the wilderness for the spirit of grace. But anyway, this is telling us that we have to be a force in the end times. We're in the end times. I don't know if you knew that. But we are. We're in the last days of the end times. But we went through some of this, and we went through to Acts, and we read that, and we talked about that some, about how the Holy Spirit came so that we could be witnesses unto Him not witnesses to people. We don't force the Holy Spirit on people, amen? amen? You know, when I first started learning to witness to people, it was because we got on fire. I was a, one of the youth pastors. But before I was a youth pastor, I was excited about coaching and, and teaching. And, and I got called into the ministry, and I just had to go talk to Everybody. And Smiley Robert and I, we'd go out on the lakefront and we'd win them to the Lord. I'd talk to bikers, I'd talk to kids. We, we prayed with many young people right out on Lake Pontchartrain there. And we'd go down the French Quarter. and We'd witness, to. we'd pull drunks up out of the gutter and take them over to the carrying place is what it was called. It was a ministry in the French Quarter for homeless and such. So we'd pull them out, take them down there, get them into the carrying center. And many things like that. And so, you know, I I would go down there and I'd see the voodoo people that had their little tables set up out there. And we had tracks, some of those chick tracks and whatnot. And we'd take tracks and I'd lay it down right there on the voodoo guy's table. And he'd look at me, he'd see that word Jesus on there, and he'd look like he saw a ghost. He'd take his pencil. He would not touch it with his hand, he would take his pencil and flick it off in the street he'd say get out of here leave me alone I'd pick that track up I'd put it right back up there again lay it on table I said but Jesus loves you he'd say no get out of here and he'd flick that track off with his pencil and I never did lead him to the Lord but he was scared of me he was scared of the Jesus people I don't know if he saw angels behind (laughs) us or what but we would witness to people like that. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against an end-time church that has the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. You don't just have to preach at people. There'd be people down in the French Quarter. You know, you'd have to experience it. I lived there five years. I'd take people down there. And they'd have these guys. They'd stand up on a ladder with a bullhorn. Repent! Repent! And people just run away from them, you know. But I wasn't going to be a bullhorn. I wanted to shake their hand. I wanted to tell them God loves them. And that, you know, they got hope for their lives. And we'd talk to them like they're human beings. Not shouting at them through a bullhorn. You know, I don't understand some people. Maybe that's the way they feel called. And, but maybe somebody gets saved because of foolishness of preaching. But... I always want to show some care and concern for them. And uh, you know, I uh, you know, th- I could tell you so many stories anyway, we'll move along. But people on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and they heard that rushing mighty wind blowing like a freight train and the cloven tongues of fire came down on every one of them. That's where we ended last week. The power of God hit that room of 120 people and filled them with the Holy Ghost and fire, and they spoke in other languages that these nations heard. And I explained to you that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you're speaking, as Paul wrote, either in tongues of men or of angels. Do you know you can speak angels sometimes? Maybe you speak a little seraphim or... or (laughs) or Anyway... The different kinds of angels, maybe you speak their language. Are you speaking a language like Chinese? I've had tongues that just went different sometimes when I spoke in And I didn't understand it all. But sometimes God would allow an understanding to come to you of what you're praying. And you could translate or interpret for your own prayer. And you get a sense of something. Sometimes when you pray in the Spirit, you'd see a picture of something and you would need to go to somebody's house, or you need to go talk to somebody in particular. But it comes from in here. Out of the belly is what the Word says. Isn't that what John wrote in John 7, 37, 38? He said, Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know? So you know, on the Day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, you know, out of their bellies came this river. Now, the Holy Spirit came one time. He doesn't have to keep coming. He already is here. So guess what? When you confess Christ, He comes and lives inside of you. You don't have to beg the Holy Ghost to come. He's already inside of your heart. All you got to do is learn to relax and release Him out of you so that what you share is something powerful. Tanya, your testimony is powerful. I see the joy of the Lord on you. You haven't always been that way, but you are now. I tell you what, you hang on to that joy. Don't let go of it because people will hear it and they will see it and know that God changes lives. But anyway, they had all these languages come forth and people heard them speaking about the great works of God. And so... Did you know you speak in tongues every day? You speak English, don't you? That's a tongue. So, if somebody says, Do you speak in tongues? Yeah. I speak in English for sure. My wife speaks in English, Spanish, and then in the angelic language, or who knows what it is. You know, I'd like to think she's like an angel. But anyway, there's some key points I want to get across to you. Number one, they were different in looks, race, dress, languages, and cultures. When those people came, they heard their language being spoken by Galileans. They knew this had to be God because how can these unlearned Galileans talk in their language or their dialect? When I preached in Kenya the first time, I preached in a big church. It had 5,000 people every service. It was three services on Sunday morning. I preached a second service. The first one was just in in, uh, uh, Kiswahili. All right? The second one was a service in English in Kiswahili translation. And so I preached in that one. I had a translator, or maybe that was just English. Anyway, there's 5,000 people there. And I preached to those people, and it was powerful. They were hungry. They had tin roofs. They had dirt on the floor. There was no floor. It was dirt. It was the ground. But they had these, like, telephone poles, you know, with tin roofs on top, over them, folding chairs. And what a powerful service we had. I have a, a southeast Missouri accent. And I was living in South Florida. So, you know, that was even a twist. And then I'm preaching in Africa to East Africans in English. They had to have a key Swahili translation to understand me. Because my English, I don't want to say I was a North American hillbilly, but... You know, it had to be close. You know, something like that. But anyway, they were different in every way. God's not a respecter of persons. That's why when I pastored in South Florida, it had 35 different countries represented in that church. Pastor Ken was with me for a few years down there. And it it was different, you know. You go, you see every. Color, every shade of color. You see, different cultures, people with, that speak different languages, but they all wanted the same thing. Yes. And I think here we want the same thing, don't we? Amen. You know, I probably got a little lazy when I moved back here because everybody spoke Southeast Missouri, you know, or Northeast Arkansas. Now I'll say Cookie comes from Grandin, right? She says Ewins. Yeah, she she speaks grannies, grand grand-ese, grand-ese, like Chinese, only it's up there in the hills. <laughs> Anyhow, but they heard the word coming forth in their language from people, and they were all different. I like that, don't you? I took got Ronnie Webb to come down and preach in the conference for me down there uh, in South Florida, and he was preaching. I had... Gustavo Cunha from Costa Rica, Vincent Valadin from up in Miami. I had John Bevere, who's written several books. You might have read one of them before. I had him as one of the keynote speakers. Garland Bilbo was one of the speakers. And uh, Ronnie Webb, Bishop Ronnie Webb. They didn't call him Bishop back then, he was pretty young in the ministry then. And uh, uh, he loved it. He said, Man, this church is like heaven. Because all the colors, all the languages that were represented. He said, this is what heaven's going to be like. I said, yeah, it's not quite heaven yet, brother, I'll (laughs) tell you that. I counsel a lot of these people. (laughs) I deal with a lot of problems. (laughs) But anyway, they put up with me. But anyway, the second point is this. The Ark of Testimony, the covenant was a gold-covered chest that they had in the Old Testament that they would carry. The priest carried the ark when they were in the wilderness. And finally, David got it back and put it in the tabernacle. He didn't hide it. Nobody died coming in front of it and dancing around it. God gave David a grace like he gave no one. He was a prophet, priest, and a king. He was the whole shebang. He had anointing out of this world. But he was anointed to bring the presence of God in. And we need to be that way. Uh, We are arks. We carry the presence of God, see. We need to understand that. And see, that ark had a lid on it, and inside, uh, Exodus describes it with two stones, which you know what that is, the Ten Commandments. And it had Aaron's rod, and it had a pot of manna, and the presence of God was carried in that ark. You know, it was a testimony, ark of testimony, an ark of the covenant. Yeah. And they, they make movies about where that ark might be today. But you know, Jeremiah, I talked to uh, John, what's his name, Michael, John Michael Rood, I believe his name was. He was a, a rabbi in Israel and he's been on TBN and all kinds of different shows. I met him right there uh, by the wailing wall. He was playing his shofar and and stuff, and I got talking to him. And then I saw him again when I was at the Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, and I talked to him again. Michael John Michael Root or Michael John Root. Anyway, he was a, a rabbi, and he explained all about how Jeremiah brought the Ark of the Covenant out and hid it you know, because they were coming to the temple to try to destroy everything. And if you can look him up, I think it's John, Michael, Rood, like R, I don't think it's R-O-O-D, it could be, or R-U-D, R-U-U-D. But anyway, you look it up and you look at one of his videos about the Ark of the Covenant on YouTube. And it amazes you, the knowledge that comes out of this man. But anyway, uh, that carried the presence of God for Israel. But point number three is this. As it was an earthen vessel, as we are, and carried the presence of Christ, Jesus became our prototype. He was man on earth, but he was also God. He carried God's presence in him. Man, he showed us an example he went and got baptized by John the Baptist. And John saw a dove coming out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Pastor can you ever baptize in Israel? You was. was baptized. Well, I baptized people in the Jordan River over there. One of them was my mother-in-law. And my mom took pictures because I had these two older ladies on the trip with me. Kevin, 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 you know. They were always calling my name. And I had Helen Borowski, another older Hungarian lady. I had all these older ladies with me on that trip. I was running here and there all the time, burning some calories. But anyway, my mother-in-law said, I said, well, let's let some of the others baptize you. And she said, no, Kevin, I want you to baptize me. So I had to get wet. So I went and got wet in the Jordan River. And I tell you what, I got to talking about what baptism means. And if you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. Your life will be different. How many in here have never been baptized in water? And you'd like to be? Anybody? You've all been wet. Okay, I trust that you're telling me the truth. But anyway, I offered to baptize my air conditioner guy that does our AC here and at my house. Because I prayed for him. He had a brain bleed, and he was going to go get a, an MRI. And I said, can I pray for you? He said, sure. I laid my hands on him. I felt goosebumps go up and down. And I said, I felt goosebumps. He said, man, I had them all in my arm, too. And so he went, and guess what? There's no brain bleed. He got a healing. So I told him, I said, you ever been baptized? He said, no. I said, well, I need to baptize you. How about your wife? Because I did their wedding. He said, well, I'll have to talk to her. So I said, I can baptize both of you and have you commit to the Lord Jesus Christ 100%. Amen? Amen. Well, anyway, I baptized my mother-in-law because as I began to talk about it, I felt a fire go from the top of my head all the way down. (coughs) That water was ice cold, let me tell you. I got in there, I was shivering. As soon as I started talking about the Lord, the Holy Ghost fire came down on me. (laughs) I wasn't cold one bit. And so then I baptized her, my mom taking pictures. When we got the pictures back, I couldn't hardly believe it. There was a fire. Like, you know, it comes off of the logs. You know, crackling like fire. It was around her and me. Perfectly, I mean, it outlined her above her head because she was about this short to me. And then it went around me all the way down to the water. And I could show it to you someday. I'll, I'll try to remember to bring that picture and show it to y'all. But she was touched that day. And I'm going to tell you, when you obey God, God conforms you to his image when you do what he wants you to do. And that fire was amazing, but that was the power of Almighty God, see, as a testimony. That's your testimony that you are saved when you get baptized. And I need to baptize. I've got a saltwater pool. It's fairly warm. And if anybody needs it, we need to do it before it turns cold. <laughs> but anyway, number, th- number three. As it was an earthen vessel... Oh, okay, I already read that. Jesus is our prototype, amen? Yes, he is. And so he did, and so we do. We follow him and his example. And guess what? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that dove morphed, if I can use that word, morphed into him. I mean, it just merged into him. And, you know... I mean, I think others saw that dove, don't you think, Pastor Ken? They saw that dove come down, because they wrote about it. And there's a voice that spoke, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Every time you obey God, He's pleased. Something great begins to occur. Anyway, number four. All houses, halls, churches, temples, cities, mountains, etc., and even the liturgies that people do. Now, I'm not into religion, but there's a lot of liturgies. Hey, you've got the Messianic Jews, you've got the Episcopalians, you've got the Catholics, you've got uh, Presbyterians, you've got Pentecostals. Everybody's got their way of doing things. I'm just a pretty simple man. I think there's been a couple of songs wrote about being a simple man. But I am a simple man. I don't need a lot of religion. Paul said we didn't need it. So, you know, we just come to Christ and lay our heart out before him. But it says all these things, doctrines and so on, are earthen. They're things that are here on earth. When you get to heaven, you're not going to need no liturgies. You won't need any teachings on doctrines up there. You're gonna have the pure, holy truth. Jesus will be there. His throne is there. God's throne is there. You don't need. Although I can imagine now, if Jesse Deplanis's vision of heaven is accurate, he saw where everybody's excited, and they said, "What?" Are, he said, what's going on to the angel? He said, oh, they're excited because they're about to have worship and then Paul's going to get up and preach. He said, whoa, man. He said, but they're even seemingly more excited. Yeah, because they said after Paul, Jesus was getting up. They're going to do a little preaching. <laughs> man, what a place heaven must be. You won't even be tired standing up. You, you can't help yourself. You'll be dancing before the throne. Hallelujah. Even on the golden streets. Praise the Lord. John 4, 21 through 24. Pastor Ken, what's that say?
1: Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth.
0: Amen. You know, I'll be excited to see Zach get his, uh, where is he? Is he still in here? Children, that's right, and youth. Okay. Well. What's that thing called, Pastor Ken, that you write to get your master's thesis? He's going to get that printed out as a book. And you know what it's all about? It's about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Things like 88 pages or something like that. So uh, that's a long thesis. But, you know, he really dug in. But spirit and truth. He said it's not about doing like the Jews or the Samaritans. He said the days coming where it's neither. It's not what you called. See, what people say? I'm a Pentecostal. Or I'm a Baptist. I'm Baptist because I was baptized. <laughs> I'm Methodist because there's a method to my study in the Word. I'm Pentecostal because I speak in tongues. I'm charismatic because I love to jump around and worship and have a good time. You know, they don't do that in a lot of churches. You know. What else can we be? Oh, yeah. Catholics, that means a universal church. I'm part of the universal church of God's kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So when people say things, I kind of join and say, yeah, me too. <laughs> but the key is, we. it's not about trying to argue about all these differences. But it's about... Worshiping God in spirit and truth. The truth of God's word. You know, everybody, all these denominations don't just have a corner on the truth. Most of us can't agree about many things. And most of those things are pretty accurate. Jesus died on the cross. He was born of a virgin. Uh, He walked this earth. Uh, he he hurt, he hungered he he understood what we go through, he was tempted but he didn't give in to temptation there was many things Jesus understands us and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead you know, and so he became our perfect representative amen, isn't that awesome that's the truth that we need to really get a hold of now if somebody says, well, I don't believe you need to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe that too. You can be filled. But I don't want to just be filled. I want to overflow. Amen. See? Well, how do you overflow? That's the key. You get a hold of the Holy Ghost and let him overflow. Let him outpour. It's not just about being filled. That's being kind of selfish. Oh, man, you ever go and eat and... You just ate just a little too much. What do you do? You sit back and you kind of rub your tummy and you say, oh, I'm full. They even had a commercial with Taco Bell. They come out and say, I am full. <laughs> they ate a lot of tacos. yeah, But they are full. But see, the Lord, he fills the earthen vessels. He's not a respecter of persons. I've seen him baptize Catholics in the Holy Ghost. I've seen people get healed before they were ever saved. So, you know, they don't even have to have faith. Sometimes a gift is just operating. I've prayed for people cancer and all kinds of things, and they've been healed. Then you ask them, have you ever confessed Jesus as Savior? No, I haven't heard about that. I was preaching in Albania in a church praying for people, and they were falling out in the spirit. And so the kids run out, some of the children. They ran to their houses. And this lady come in. I don't know, Dave might have been with me on that trip. It was that church up in the mountain. Anyway, uh, this lady came back with a kid. And he brought her up to the front. And she had on the Muslim garb. Because Albania they have that's a Muslim nation although you'd think only Arabs are Muslims or something no it's a white Muslim nation those people are very white and they're very Muslim well this woman came in with her Muslim garb on she said can you heal my shoulder I said well Jesus and me can will you let me pray in the name of Jesus she said, any name you want to pray in. That was through a translator. And so I laid my hands on her and prayed in the name of Jesus, and God healed her shoulder. I mean, she immediately began to move it all around. <laughs> God wants those people to have a witness yes. and a testimony. Amen. And so, you know, it's awesome to see what God does. He doesn't care about your religion even. He'll heal Muslim. See, that now she's confronted with the fact that Muhammad did not heal her, but Jesus did. You know, uh, in fact, one of the mayors in a town where one of the feeding programs were that Ron Kelly led, out of Living Water, which I was a part of the board, and uh, he he told Ron, he said he was going to have a baptism. He said, "I want you to baptize me." And he asked him, said, "Well, we baptize people that." have confessed jesus he said why did that he said you did when did you do it he said well i would stand outside the window when y'all were teaching the children and you had them pray to jesus and he said one day i felt something inside and so i prayed to jesus and i confessed him as savior he said so i want to be baptized (laughs) it's powerful this man was a muslim Man, the Muslim, uh, what, what would we call them, the imams or whatever, they would get so angry in these towns and the, the mountains of Albania because many of their parishioners were turning to Jesus and going to the Christian church. It's something else. i tell you, God is good. Now, uh, where am I? Up. Uh, Let's go with number five. We can only worship spirit and truth, and we read that, but let's go to John six sixty three, Pastor Ken.
1: It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And that's point number six, self-explanatory.
0: I lift weights to try to stay in shape and burn calories and help my sugar level. I don't lift heavy weights. I use 10 and 20-pound dumbbells. And so I, when I say I work out with dumbbells, it's not a couple of guys that aren't very smart. <laughs> it's actually weights. <laughs> so, But I use them. I do some curls, and I do some military press, and I lay on an incline bench and do, you know, these, and I do these, and then I do these, and I do these, and I do these. And I do these I do like seven or eight exercises, and I do about 80 reps of each one with 10-pound dumbbells. I tell you what, you do 80, your arms start to feel like it's 100 pounds by the time you're done. And uh, But, you know, it, it does something for me, but it doesn't profit me if I'm not getting the Word also. All it does is lower my sugar a little and, and I stand a little more erect when I'm walking. It profits a little. It doesn't profit like the Word of God can profit me. You can walk 10 miles a day and if you don't ever pray or read your Word, it's not going to make you a better Christian to walk. You just might be a little thinner. That's about it. you know. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27.
1: To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow.
0: See, to the world, they don't understand. They call us Jesus freaks. They say we're religious nuts. They say you're weak because you have to have a crutch to lean on. But the reality is, it's a mystery. But when you accept... See, you you won't choose to be saved unless the Holy Spirit leads you. When Nelson and I talk, we talk about Jesus, don't we? And when we pray together, we always confess Jesus together. Well... He couldn't do that, and I couldn't do that unless the Holy Spirit led us, drew us in. You can't confess Jesus without the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. You can say he was a historical figure. Or yeah, he was a nice man. Or like the Muslims say, he was a good prophet. He had some good words to say. But when you say he is the Savior and the Lord, You cannot do that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you do that, something happens. And you may not always feel it because we don't live according to our feelings only. We live according to the truth, the facts of who Jesus is. So we confess the truth. Anyway, number seven, Christ in you is the hope of glory. When you have Christ, it's not just Jesus, Randy. Jesus is a man that walked on the earth. There's a few Jesuses down in Mexico and other countries. But it's not just saying Jesus, although I say his name a lot because I love to say it. But it's the Christ. See, we miss it in Christendom when we just say Jesus. And people wonder, why didn't my life change? Or, well, how come... I don't see the power of God moving like Well, you got to have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. And when you pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, or Jesus Christ, then you're speaking revelatory information. See, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one with the power of God from on high. He moves mountains. With your faith, oh, my thing went off. Let's get it back on. Oh, I got to go through this rigmarole again. Well, anyway, oh, there we go. All right. So Jesus the Christ, you know what it isn't? He's the hope of glory, not a type or a style. Although I love the book called The Jesus Style. How many have not read that? Jesus style, way that. Y'all need to get that book and read it. need to order it. It's by Gail Irwin. He is a personal friend of my brother and I's that ministered out in California for many years. He was a leader, actually, in a denomination, and then he got to really seeking God, and he got out of the denomination. I started to say the abomination, but I no, I mean the denomination. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. Just forget what I just said. It doesn't matter. But what it isn't, it's not about being Democrat or Republican. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. I I really can't stand on one platform because they're for abortions, and the other one are wishy washy. So when people say, What are you? Uh, Well, I registered many years ago as one, but I just want to say I'm a Christian. And I'm going to vote for the person that has the most godly character and belief system. Amen? And probably not very many of those are in either one of those groups that we call Democrat and Republican. I hate to say that, but it's somewhat true. We have to be Christ-based, not political, not religious. You know, I'm not... You can't preach angry. But you're not more important because you belong to some group with a certain name of a denomination. That doesn't make you more holy. Man, I can look in those and find just as many sinners as I can look in any place. Yeah. So we can't look at denominations, political affiliations, or any other kind of thing. There's no clubs that are going to get you to heaven any better than another one. But you've got to have Christ, Jesus, in you. He is your hope of glory. Pastor Ken, what's First Peter 4 and what's that, 8?
1: And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins.
0: Yes. You know, when somebody comes to you and they've done wrong your job is not to go gossip about their sin you know when these guys fell I mean they wanted to crucify them so to speak the different ones the TV preachers and different ones that messed up they wanted to just obliterate them but yet all they had to do like Jesus said you know when you look and you judge somebody else And the log and the splinter, you know, one's in your eye and one's in theirs. You you cannot be the judge. Now, in church, we have to judge a little bit because we can't have people running rampant that are doing wrong things, especially in leadership. We're responsible. But what we're saying is we don't judge people to go to hell we need to love them and cover them and any sin and mistakes they've made we need to help them to to get over it love conquers all perfect love casts out all fear somebody can come and talk to you when they know they can trust you and they're not afraid they can tell you anything i have not i don't know if i could hear anything else that I haven't heard that's so outlandish. I mean, I had a hitman come to me one night, day uh, down in Florida and confessed to me. He was a plumber by day, hit man by night for the mafia. And he cried and wept tears. And he said, can I be saved? I said, of course you can be saved. Jesus' blood is enough to cover anybody's sins. If you're repentant and you'll stop you can be saved. With tears running down his face, he confessed. Jesus. His name was Kenny. And the guy that brought him, his name was Tim. And so he the, and he came to see me after he heard me preach on Wednesday night. So I talked to him on Thursday morning, and I prayed with him. See, and then on Sunday I asked him. I said, well, "Where's Kenny?" He said, "Oh, Pastor." They found out he had gotten saved. They were afraid he'd got religion, you know, and confess the deeds he's done and who caused him to doom. They found him out in the avocado groves with his hands tied behind his back and shot in the back of the head. Murdered. But you know where he went? Heaven. Did he kill people? I believe he did. I believe there's a few others that did some things that I heard testimony of. You know, some of them, I watched them a little more closely after they left my office, but I love covers a multitude of sins. You know, you got to love everybody. And you will help people get out of the ditch when you love them. Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8, and we're going to wrap this up tonight.
1: And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give.
0: Amen. Isn't that awesome? He's given you a commission. You release, we want to release the Spirit to restructure the church of Jesus. Too many churches. They'll tell you that the gifts are passed away, or that God doesn't heal people anymore. He doesn't do miracles. And what on earth are you even being a Christian if you can't be like Jesus? You know, that boggles my mind. I'm not mad. It just disturbs me that people are out there in churches and they don't believe what's in the Bible. He said. You will cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. Hey, it even said, what, you'll handle serpents? I don't think it's talking about being snake handlers now, like they do up in the mountains of the Appalachians. There's some of them get bit and die. But it's talking about handling the forces of Satan, that you don't have to be afraid to deal with the serpents the demons, and so on. But anyway, we want to release the Holy Spirit so God can restructure His church so that we can say what the Bible says we can do. Amen? It's just that simple. He wants us to be Jesus' people that book the jesus style by gail Irwin. that's g-a-y-l-i-e by the way gail or g-a-y-l-e you got some in your office do you use them in the classes what do you want to do loan a couple of them out if you want to borrow one of those from pastor ken that book will change your life it was one of two books that changed me extremely The other one was our philosophy book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. But this one, the Jesus style, will change. It'll blow your mind. It'll change the way you think. So he's got a couple he'll loan out if somebody wants to get to him first. But let's stand together. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus the Christ, the power, the anointed one, when we speak Jesus the Christ, Demons tremble and they must go. And so we thank you that you hear us when we pray and that when we speak your name, Lord, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you do miracles, you open blinded eyes, you open deaf ears, you make the lame to walk and powerful things happen and our neighbors get saved because we speak in the name of Jesus the Christ. Bless us in your name, Lord we go. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Like I said, you might want to talk to Pastor Ken real quick if you want to borrow one of those.